Welcome to the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast, your prescription for specialty pharmacy success. Hello and welcome to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. I'm Andy Madigan, CSI Vice President of Client Engagement and your host for this episode. Today I'm pleased to welcome Vajeev Menon, CSI's Director of Specialty Pharmacy Consulting and Accreditation. Welcome, Vajeev. Thank you. So before we get into today's topic, which is accreditation, which uh, I know is a very hot topic for many pharmacies out there, I wonder if you could tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about your background as a pharmacist and a little bit about your current role with CSI. Uh, thanks again, Andy. Uh, yeah, uh, so I started off as a pharmacist oh, oh, uh, 20 years ago and have had the opportunity to uh, have different types of uh, experiences within the pharmacy field, so traditional retail pharmacy. Um, I've had the opportunity to work in a call center as a clinical pharmacist for a mail-order pharmacy. Uh, then I had uh, I worked with the quality section of a specialty pharmacy, helped set up a large specialty pharmacy, um, and also quality functions as well as accreditation-related activities. Um, and from where I moved to working for a health system, where I managed the uh, specialty and mail-order operations. Um, since then, I've uh, had uh, the opportunity to work with uh, an accreditation agency and uh, presently with CSI, where I, uh, I work with the uh, team of folks here uh, in helping organizations uh, achieve or pursue their accreditation um, and uh, help with uh, the start of the process all the way through the, uh, through the end, which can be a very extensive um, process, which I look forward to talking about more today in detail. Awesome. Uh, very extensive and broad experience, and I, I can tell there's a, a lot of the diversity of experience you had lends itself very well to accreditation, which really looks at the entire organization. So first of all, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the concept of accreditation in pharmacy, especially specialty pharmacy accreditation, can you really walk us through that process? Sure. So there are a, a few different accreditation bodies in specialty pharmacy, and the processes are almost similar. Um, it generally uh, it's a six month, but uh, usually longer process, which starts off with any typical process that you would have with a vendor in terms of contract negotiations. Really, there isn't much to negotiate in terms of the contract, but it, you still go through that process of applying to the accreditation entity. Um, that's followed by submission of documents for um, desktop review, which basically involves submission of policies, procedures, meeting materials, and any other evidence that the organization provides to the accreditation entity to evaluate at the desktop review, in other words. And once that's accepted, once the accreditation body determines that the organization's policies, processes, procedures satisfy the intents of their standards, then we they move to the next phase, which is an, is a validation review, which is typically on-site. Um, some entities schedule them. Some of them can be a surprise visit that's not scheduled. And some of them even do part of the validation review virtually through a webinar. And at the end of the review, there is a recommendation that is 
sent by these reviewers to the decision-making body that ultimately issues the accreditation decision. And that's, so that's kind of the summary of the process. Obviously, we'll talk more about the multitude of activities that have to take place sure. um, to satisfy each of those phases. What would motivate or drive a pharmacy to seek accreditation in the first place? Why would, why would they have to do that? So accreditation for the specialty pharmacy phase have become standard in terms of, I mean, we can talk about it in terms of the benefits, financial benefits being the access to payers. So you have a number of payers who uh, require that a specialty pharmacy be accredited by one and sometimes more agencies so that the pharmacy can be a part of the um, network of pharmacies for that particular payer or third-party um, insurance. Additionally, there are several manufacturers that have their products, which are referred to as limited distribution drugs, that they give access to only those pharmacies that satisfy several requirements of the manufacturers. Accreditation is one of those requirements. Uh, there are additional requirements such as data sets, and but for today's discussion, yes, the accreditation plays a key role in from a payer perspective as well as a manufacturer perspective to get access to certain specialty medications. So, given that, how do you view the current state of accreditation for specialty pharmacies? So, uh, as I mentioned, there are a few different accreditation agencies, URAC, ACSC, CPPA, uh, TJC, or the Joint Commission. And URAC has really become the, uh, has always been the gold standard. And, and, and quite often, you do see organizations that have URAC and then perhaps another accreditation to go with it to satisfy some of the pair requirements or the manufacturer requirements that I mentioned earlier. So the the current state is, uh, as I said, accreditation is, is the norm, and it is really a question sometimes of having one URAC accreditation with perhaps something else. So is there a value for a pharmacy to seek multiple accreditations, or is that something that is driven by the, the payer, or is it kind of a combination of both? So what we see in the marketplace is mostly um, they they are driven by requirements from payers um, or perhaps manufacturers, mostly payers, requiring multiple accreditations. From a pharmacy's perspective, um, it, it, having one accreditation, meeting the stringent requirements of URAC, for instance, that is that encompasses different sections such as IT, marketing, pharmacy operations, patient management. There are quite a few requirements that the pharmacy abides by to maintain um, the standards of one particular accrediting body. Uh, having an additional organization accredited brings a lot of challenges, but it is the, the main driver there is the requirement from the payers, certain payers that demand that yeah, you do have two accreditations in order to be part of their network. You talked a little bit about the different accrediting bodies. You named you named a few of them. Can you tell our listeners what's the difference? Are they all essentially alike? How should they decide which accreditation to pursue? 
Yeah, good, good, good question. It's um, uh, so I think uh, as I stated earlier, Europe is the gold standard. So I think that's an easy decision, really, in terms of yes, get Europe accreditation. Now for the second one, there's APHC, CPPA, and as far as how an organization makes that decision, I think first and foremost the organization has to consider the requirements of the primary pairs that it is trying to get access to. I mean, is the pair requiring an ACHC accreditation along with URAC, or are they okay with any of the three, or do they require CPPA? So I think that's that's one driving factor. Additionally, I think an organization needs to consider what are the differences between uh, URAC and the secondary accreditation that the organization would like to seek. So to get into some specific, for instance, uh, there is a patient management program requirement for all these accreditation agencies. Uh, now, URAC may define a care plan or a coordination of care a certain way whereby it might not be needed for every patient in specialty pharmacy, whereas ACHC may define it as it is needed for every patient. So it's these subtle differences that the organization needs to make sure that, one, it is in the best interest of their patients. Two, it is operationally feasible if there are some changes that need to be made. And obviously, any changes in or any policies and procedures or changes made uh, to satisfy the needs of one organization does not adversely affect the uh, requirements of another organization. And lastly, I will say that there is a cost aspect as well. The uh, accreditations come uh, with a cost, and that might play a role in the decision-making as well. Are they all about the same, or is there quite a variance? There, There is a variance, and really uh, it does vary from organization to organization, depending on the script volume and the number of sites. For instance, you may have one pharmacy with um, an oncology pharmacy that's separate. Um, do you want to consider it as two separate applications or perhaps as a single application with a supplemental site? So there isn't a fixed dollar figure that I could uh, use to compare the cost among the different accreditations. But uh, there is a scale, and that is definitely something um, that you want to look into with the individual bodies. Would it be fair to say that the number of pharmacies seeking accreditation is on the rise? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, so there is a bit of a significant increase in the pharmacies um, seeking accreditation. Uh, just, just to throw some numbers behind that, I think currently there are over 450 pharmacies that have a specialty pharmacy accreditation through URAC. I do want to point out that there are some organizations that have multiple multiple sites that have that are individually accredited as separate applications by URAC. So it does skew that number a little bit. Right. But it gives you a very good idea that, you know, there there has been I, I, I there's been an increase. I also want to point out a trend that's been in place. A few years ago we saw a, a, a lot of pharmacies um, seeking especially pharmacy accreditation which were independent pharmacies. Uh, in the in the recent past, there has been a huge increase in the number of health system-owned pharmacies um, that have been 
seeking accreditation. So that is really the one specific trend I'd like to point out. Sure. What kind of challenges is exposed? Are there differences in the preparation or the impact of the accreditation experience if you are a health system versus an independent pharmacy or a traditional specialty pharmacy? Oh, absolutely. So I'd like to summarize the types of organizations that you have the PBM-owned specialty pharmacies. You have retail setting, independent pharmacies um, or chain retail pharmacies that operate specialty pharmacies. And thirdly, there are the health systems that uh, have specialty pharmacies. And the one unique nature of health system uh, that I like to point out is the fact that they have access to the medical record of the patient, the EMR, the electronic medical record. That gives the health system a unique opportunity that really sets them apart from the other pharmacies that do not have that comprehensive view of the patient. So uh, while it's, it's an opportunity, the challenge for the health system is to how to best utilize the patient information in the electronic medical record, uh, how to best utilize for taking care of the patient from the specialty pharmacy, satisfying the requirements of patient management without having to do double documentation, for instance, within the EMR and the patient management system. So how do most pharmacies prepare for accreditation? So most pharmacies have to evaluate where they are currently and Usually, the the first step is to gather the policies and procedures after reviewing the requirements of the accreditation agency. So, once you sign up with uh, one of these bodies, you will get a comprehensive guide that explains what each of the standards or elements require as evidence. And from there, it's a matter of developing policies, procedures, developing the required committees, such as the quality committee, the clinical committee, the operational requirements in terms of, for example, cold chain management, satisfying the needs of that. So the preparation process is multifaceted. So you have items that are pharmacy operations. There are a lot of clinical items. There are a lot of items in marketing, IT, et cetera. Uh, so it's gathering all this information together, which does take extensive time, identifying what the gaps are in additional documents that need to be created, uh, process changes that need to be made, and submitting the application and taking it from there. Are there common areas that most pharmacies struggle with? Um, the, the most common area that pharmacies struggle with is really having policies and procedures that are sound, that meet the requirement of the accreditation agencies. Uh, One of the common findings that the accreditation agencies have is when the documents are submitted, they do not want to see a mere repetition of the standard in the form of policy and procedure the accreditation bodies really need to see how the organization satisfies a particular standard. What is the detailed process in satisfying that particular element? So they need to see a lot of how it is done, 
rather than the fact that the organization simply does something. So it's that intricate detail that many organizations struggle with doing the desktop review and have to make multiple submissions to satisfy the needs of the accreditation agency. Right. So like, what are the blind spots? Are there areas that pharmacies are threatened by that they don't realize are pose a threat? So I will stress again on the policy and procedure piece in terms of I, I strongly recommend organizations to either create their own policies and procedures or if they are using custom or, uh, or template policies and procedures to customize them very thoroughly. That is one of the biggest findings is the uh, of the accreditation agencies is that the organization does not own its policies and procedures. The the review is thoroughly focused on the, on what the policies and procedures are and the fact that the organization is in fact following the policies and procedures. Additionally, documentation is key. So whenever the organization has meeting minutes or training sessions, make sure that is thoroughly documented. Uh, personnel files, those need to be thoroughly documented as well, whether it's electronic or paper, um, and same thing with patient management. So in the eyes of the accreditation body, similar to many other things in, in healthcare or any other space, if there is no documentation, there is no evidence that something actually happened. And that is what many organizations struggle with as well, is proving to the accreditation body that they did, in fact, do something, and there is the documentation for that patient being assessed or that meeting being conducted. If it isn't documented, it didn't happen. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Exactly. Do you see that most pharmacies view accreditation as a mandate that they have to comply with versus an opportunity, or are there some that view it the other way around? So... Quite often, the process starts off as, hey, uh, accreditation is mandated by the payer, so the organization better seek accreditation. From there, organizations usually uh, experience that, hey, it makes sense to have these thoroughly documented policies and procedures, to have a very structured program around quality, to have a very structured program for patient management. So it, the accreditation process, even though it starts off as a mandate, as, hey, we got to do this, it quite often uh, evolves into, I'm glad we did that because now we do, uh, the organization knows exactly w- uh, what is needed and what some of the gaps are. I will, um, I will point out one common example that comes from my experience is an organization going through accreditation, one of the requirements is um, the strict requirements around cold chain management. Quite often, the organization has never thought about it. Uh, several organizations simply put an ice pack with the product and ship it, assuming that it stays cold, and it perhaps does. The accreditation agencies now require strict testing um, of the cold chain process. When the organization does this testing to satisfy the requirement of the accreditation body, that is when they realize, hey, the temperature has been out of range for that refrigerated product, which was supposed to be between 36 and 46 Fahrenheit. It's been out of range or it's not 
kept in range long enough. Or worse, they realize that the product has been exposed to a much lower temperature below 32 degrees Fahrenheit for a period of time immediately upon packing, which could possibly freeze the product and render it inert. So, so that's, that becomes a critical issue that was, that's been identified during the accreditation process and obviously corrected thanks to the testing that was done and identified that uh, problem. So what advice would you give to organizations that are seeking accreditation for the first time? Uh, for the first time, uh, I think it is, it is critical for organizations to understand the requirements of the accreditation. Uh, in other words, initially, uh, many folks read the standards and take it for what it's worth. But it serves a lot of purpose to read the details behind the standards. So the accreditation guide, for instance, will tell you what it is, what the accrediting body is exactly looking for, how to satisfy the intent of the standard, examples and, uh, as to how to be compliant with it. And the, uh, the biggest advice, you know, hey, understand the standards, understand what your needs are, create policies and procedures, make sure you're adhering to the policies and procedures, and have somebody that oversees this entire process, the accreditation process, that serves as your quality oversight person. So it is a full-time process, at least during the accreditation process, which I said could take six months or longer, typically. And then there is that aspect of maintaining the accreditation so even for organizations that have had a successful initial accreditation, uh, there is time and effort that needs to be put into making sure that the requirements are maintained during the time of accreditation. Right, certainly. So that's uh, about all the time we have today. And with that, I will say thank you to Vajiv very much for sharing your thoughts and insights with us. We look forward to having you join us again. Uh, there's some a lot more that meets the eye when it comes to accreditation, and, and certainly with the release of the new URAC standards, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more of some of the specific ways that the new standards will affect them. If someone has a question or wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, absolutely. Thank you again. Thanks, uh, thanks for the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I'm available by email. My email address is b-m-e-n-o-n at csigroup.net. That's csigroup.net. Still be available by email. Would love to answer any questions that may come up and uh, support organizations that are going through the accreditation process. Uh, thanks again. Thanks, Rajiv. And thank you for listening to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening today, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast delivery platform. I also encourage you to visit our website, csigroup.net, and download your free copy of the 2019 State of Specialty Pharmacy Report. You can also keep up with us on social media by following CSI Specialty Group on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. CSI Specialty Group is a subsidiary of group purchasing organization Entelair. CSI expands Entelair's suite of solutions to healthcare providers, health systems, pharmacies, and pharmaceutical manufacturing partners. 
Entelair is owned by Intermountain Healthcare, a leading healthcare system based in Salt Lake City, Utah. CSI supports our parent organization's vision of providing tailored, smart solutions to help deliver superior services at an affordable cost. You've been listening to the CSI Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. Until next time, good day. Thanks for listening to the Specialty Pharmacy Podcast. If there's anything we mentioned in today's show you missed, don't worry. We take the show notes for you at csigroup.net slash podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, please consider pressing the subscribe button on our podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or a review on iTunes yet, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our specialty pharmacy peers. The Specialty Pharmacy Podcast is a production of CSI specialty group your go-to firm for all things specialty pharmacy thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time doctor's orders